Hello. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. We hope that you will be encouraged and it builds your faith. Thanks for listening. Thank you guys. Great job, Pastor Adam and team. You guys are amazing. You do great every week and we love you. Thankful for you. Praise God. We're going to go to Isaiah chapter 59. If you have your copy of God's Word, if you'll uh, turn there this morning. I want to give you an election scripture. Can I give you an election scripture this morning? And you said, oh no, he's going to go there. I am going to go there. And uh, I'm just going to tell you, I had a guy tell me one time not too long ago, he said, preachers don't need to be involved in politics. I'm here to tell you preachers need to be involved every day in politics. And so, well, this preacher will be, I'm just telling you. And, uh, and you say, well, you know, uh, listen, it's not about candidates. It's not, if, y'all, if you think it's about candidates, you're missing it. It's about righteousness. And so we have to continue to live out and continue to preach truth until the day Jesus returns. But I want to give you in the scripture to encourage you. I know we're in the midst of uh, election this week, and it's been a crazy week. If you've watched the news, you know how crazy it has been. And uh, I'm not sure it's all over yet, and, uh, but it doesn't matter. But on January 20th, somebody's sworn in, they'll be our president. And, uh, but that doesn't take God by surprise. We know that whatever happens doesn't take God by surprise. But I want to give you a scripture. I gave it to you a couple of weeks ago. I want to give you this scripture just as a, uh, just as a, just a, um, just as a nugget so that you can hold on to throughout this time. Um, and just It's in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2. And I believe Paul is instructing Timothy. And uh, this is how we are to respond, how Christians are to respond in politics. And uh, just remember this. I want to drop two things in your heart. It says this, this in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. Uh, it says, Therefore, exalt, first of all, uh, that at supplication and prayer and intercession and giving thanks be to God, may that thanks be, thanksgiving of thanks be of all men. In other words, we're to be thankful. We're to live in intercession and live in prayer. And then verse 2 says that we are to pray for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, what Paul is telling Timothy here, that we are to respond two ways to our leadership that God puts in authority. I'm not just talking about president. I'm talking about Congress, governors, every place that God puts men in authority, we're to do two things. And here's the two things we're to do. We're to pray for them and intercede for them. And this is how we're to pray. One, we're to pray uh, that they rule well, right? Regardless of who it is, we pray that they rule well. Why? Because if they rule well, then we will all lead quiet and peaceable and, 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 godly, and godly lives with all reverence. How many want our nation to find peace? Right? And so no matter who's in office, we need to pray that they will rule well because so that we can live with peace and quiet, that we can live reasonable lives and prosperous lives. God will take care of the rest. You hear what I'm saying? God will take care of the rest. And two, we are to pray. uh, Verse 4 tells us, uh, who desire all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. We are to pray that wherever there's unrighteousness, there would be righteousness. And we pray that every man comes to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So we pray that if we have elected officials that are not Christians and born-again Christians, we pray for their salvation. 
We pray for them to be born again and to find Jesus, right? Y'all with me this morning? Y'all don't want to pray for them. Y'all don't want to pray for them. Y'all mad at them. You don't want to pray for them. I understand. There's times we don't want to pray for them. But we need to pray that they rule well so we have peaceably lives. And we need to pray for their salvation because it's God's desire that all men come to the knowledge of Christ. Amen? Is that not a good encouragement for us? So if you don't like the results, you learn how to pray. And God will take care of the rest in our lives. And so I just want to encourage you with that this morning. And you know, I'm sitting here this morning with two sermons. With two. And I'm, I'm, I have been going back and forth on what to preach this morning. And I have wrestled with it and wrestled with it and wrestled with it and wrestled with it. And so I just think that the Lord just spoke to, to my heart about what to preach. So I'm going to preach uh, what I believe the Lord has laid on my heart. And hopefully uh, that will be something that encourages your life. If you would, turn with me to the book of Isaiah chapter 59. And that's where we're going to be. I'm going to read a couple of verses there this morning. And, uh, uh, and then we'll get right into uh, the Word of God and into the Word. Now, listen. Well, I'll give the disclaimer later. Anyway, uh, Isaiah 59. And I want to read verses 1 through 4. And uh, it says this. It says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sin has hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood, and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies, and your tongue has, murdered, uh, has mummered uh, perversities. No one calls for justice, nor does any plea for truth. But trust, but they trust in empty words, and they speak lies. They, can see, they conceive evil and bring forth iniquity. Let's just pray this morning. Father, we thank you. We just pray, God, that you open our hearts. We pray, God, that we open the hearts to receive your word this morning, that we may be encouraged by your word. We pray, God, that our hearts would receive in this hour, God, that you speak truth into our lives this morning, and we thank you for all that you've done in Jesus' name, we pray, amen. Amen. You know, uh, uh, in August of 2005, matter of fact, there was a, a Category 3 hurricane that came through Louisiana, came through New Orleans. Um, and many of you are familiar uh, with that hurricane. Uh, it came through, and uh, it was one of the worst. It had 140 mile an hour sustained winds. And as it came through New Orleans, they were sure that the levees that they had uh, would keep the water uh, from coming over the levees and into the city of New Orleans. And, uh, uh, and the levees uh, and, those, and the waters as they would come, and as that hurricane came through. In other words, uh, uh, what happened was that though the hurricane had came through and they survived the winds... And they survived the, the intensity of the winds of the hurricane. What happened was, is that one of the most tragic aspects of it was the fact that the very levees uh, that were holding up and keeping the water out began to collapse. And what happened was, as those levees collapsed, what happened, and were toppled and began to break, what happened was water began to spill into the city of New Orleans. 
Now, the city of New Orleans is, is well below sea level, and it's like a bowl. Actually, it's like an island. The only way to get in is through the bridges. And so as the levees that held back the water began to collapse, all of that water began to flow into the city of New Orleans. The biggest tragedy happened uh, shortly later because what, ha- what began to happen was is that in the suing days, as it, the waters began to get worse, people tried to escape the water. And what they did was is they began to climb into their attics at their home and they began to sit in their attics and they had no way to get on the roof, some of them. And so they were caught in their attics as the waters filled the area and filled their homes and they were trapped in between, in their attics, between the filling up of the water and, and they could not get to the rooftops and many people perished because of the breaking of those levees. And the breaking of those levees, all of a sudden many people died because they could not get to the roofs of their homes. They were trapped in those homes. And so great tra- tragedy happened. And so all of a sudden it wasn't that the, that the levees would not have kept the water out. It's the fact that the levees failed and broke. And when the levees broke, all of a sudden chaos began to happen in New Orleans. Just as levees were built to protect that city, so do nations build levees that protect and, protect and keep safe a nation. We build levees. Our nation has built levees. Nations and countries build levees. We build it around it to protect us. And what happens is nations will begin to fall if those levees will begin to collapse Nations will begin to fall. If those levees that we build as a country, as a nation, as America, we have set certain levees up, two specifically, and if those levees begin to collapse, we as a nation are in trouble. We're in trouble because the flood of the enemy will begin to flood into this nation, flood into our streets into our byways, into our political systems, into our education systems, into our lives, and flood and flood, and we become trapped, and there's nowhere to go or nothing that we can do. We have to make sure that the levees that we set to hold back the flood of the enemy have to remain strong because if they collapse, our nation could collapse. There's two specific levees that that I believe that we as a nation uh, have put in place. I believe... Uh, One is external and one is internal. One is external is law. Law and order. Law and order is a levy that keeps this nation from headed into total chaos. Y'all with me this morning? What does the law do? It protects and it provides. If I go out of here this morning and drive down the street... I come down here to uh, fifth, uh, 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 Clifty Drive and 256, there's a red light there. And if that light is red and I stop and obey the law, and if those that are green go on the other side, as long as folks are obeying the law, how many know we're protected and provided for? Laws are there to protect us and provide for us. They to keep us externally safe. 
They either keep order in our lives, and God is the author of order and law. God is the author that has brought law into our lives, and that if that levy begins to break, chaos will ensue in a nation. Y'all ain't been, y'all ain't been around here the last few months in America, have y'all? I said if law begins to break down, a nation will begin to break down. When lawlessness starts flowing in the streets, when what happened in Chop in Seattle goes from Seattle into American streets and into the streets of our nation, all of a sudden a levy is beginning to crack. And I'm here and I'm telling you, listen this morning, the levies of America have got many cracks in them right at this moment. And in the middle of lawlessness, what do people do? We're trapped in the middle of chaos. The second thing, the first one's external, the, the second one is internal. The internal is that is the Lord Himself. The Lord Himself is a levy that protects and keeps as a people and as a nation. And the Lord has given us a levy. And that levy that he has given us is this. He has given us all a conscience. Conscience. You know what a conscience? It's this. Conscience comes from two compound words. In the Greek, it means conscience. It's con, which means to uh, be with or to have or with. Right? You go to Mexican, you go to the Mexican place and you order uh, con queso. What is that? That's cheese with. Right? And so conscience, science, it's 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 to know, to know with. The Lord is to know with. the conscience, our conscience is to know the Lord with. And when a and when a conscience of a nation begins to break down. What begins to happen when society begins to resist and reject the levies, all of a sudden the flood of, listen, when the conscience levy breaks down, immorality begins to flood the streets. Okay, come on now, y'all with me. I'm telling you, listen, the levy of law and consciousness, conscience are cracking in the middle of our nation. They're starting to break. The walls are shaking. The winds have come through and have blown everything it can blow. And everything that is not tied down and sured down has been blown in our lives. Some of you, the winds of life, have blown you and blown you and blown you. And the only thing that will keep you standing is order, obeying law and God's law, and the consciousness, God's consciousness in your life, the morality of God in your life. But when men begin to reject morality and begin to let the levy of morality go, all of a sudden a nation becomes flooded with lawlessness and immorality. And what happens is a nation will begin to collapse. The result is moral chaos and lawlessness all over. Now this is not, listen, this is not about who you vote for. It's about who you submit to. Y'all hear what I'm saying? It's not about who's vo- who you vote for. It's about who do you submit to. Because who you vote for is a man. But who you submit to is the eternal God of all of heaven. <laughs> Y'all with me? I, I'm trying to get there this morning. Mankind has always wanted to see the future. 
We've always wanted, and I'm going to go someplace this morning. I feel like I need to preach this. The Lord stirred my heart on Friday, and I became overwhelmed with it. Actually, I got a little mad. I'm not preaching mad. I'm not mad at you. I, I'm, just, I'm just in my spirit. But I'm going to share some things with you. I'm going, to give you. I'm going to share some hard things that I felt the Lord has laid on my heart. Listen, Isaiah 59. When you get there, listen, our beloved United States is in a crisis, y'all. I said our nation is in a crisis. And one by one, the light of decency and hope is being blown out in America. And one day, calamity will come. If, listen, I've been in the series on Revelation on the days of head. That's what I'm preaching this morning is the days of head. I'm not saying these days are here right now, but I'm telling you that at the same track that we're on right now, if we continue on this track, these are the days ahead. I'm telling you what's going to be released into this nation. If the levees begin to break, I'm going to show you in Isaiah 59 what is getting ready to happen in this nation. And you can mark my word. Mark it on your calendar, sweetheart. It will blow up. It will blow through. And what's beginning to happen is one day, one day, calamity will come if the course of America does not change. And let me tell you, I'm not so much concerned about uh, who is being elected, but as I look over America, and I've watched them vote this week, I am concerned how they think in this nation and what they support and what they give their support to. That concerns me. That concern should concern the church. I am shocked by what people believe is real and what they believe is truth. I'm telling you, we are a nation where the levy of law and order and immorality is about to fall down and men and women have been deceived and are walking in the spirit of deception in this hour. And, and whoever gets elected. If, if Joey gets elected, I'm going to pray for Joey. Why? Because that's, that's what we're told to do. Why? Because I want to live a peaceable life. I want to live a life that's reasonable. I want to live a life that has peace. I hope he rules well. But I'm still going to stand for what's right. I'm still going to stand for morality and truth. And I'm not going to let him get away with seeing things that are not truthful and that are a lie. I'm still going to fight for righteousness and fight and defend what is right in this nation. Because if you don't, the levee's about to break. <laughs> okay, y'all with me? Come on. Listen, who knows what's going to happen? You don't know whether another national act of terrorism would happen on this soil. We don't know what's coming. We don't know if another unparalleled economic collapse is coming to this nation. We have no idea what's going to break out, whether another pandemic of some different kind is going to, to come out or going to come out. Uh, and we don't know. We have no idea. But here, here's, here's what, what the Scripture tells us. The Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 8 and verse 18, it says this. It says, you will cry out in that day because the king, because of the king that you have chosen for yourself. And the Lord will not hear you. And you in that day, nevertheless, the people still refuse to obey the voice of Samuel the prophet. 
In other words, he said, you continue to cry out to God for help, but you refuse You refuse to change the way that you are. You refuse because you continue to draw to yourself those things which you have chosen that displease God. And it says, and God will not hear them, and they refuse. Listen, there's going to be a day, whatever happens in our nation, there's going to be a day, I believe this, when churches are going to be flooded with people. I'm telling you, you read Revelation 24, and as this thing begins to wind down and begins to rev up, all of a sudden, who knows what we will go through as a nation? Who knows what's coming? What kind of thing may come? I'm not speaking doom on our nation. What I'm saying is, there'll be a day when churches will be full again, calling on God and crying out to God and wanting God to do something about where they are. But you know what? We may have gone too far by that time. What did it say here in Isaiah? What did it say in verse 1? Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy, that he cannot hear. Listen, I want to tell you, God's arm is not short this morning. God is not, listen, God is able to reach down and save this morning and deliver. He's still God. He's still able to do every miracle he was able to do. He's still on the throne and nothing. Listen, you can't elect God in and you can't elect him out. His arm is not short. He's still a savior. He's still a deliverer. He's still a set freer. He's still a healer. He still sets on a throne. But we think because God doesn't answer our prayer that God can't answer our prayer. (laughs) That's how deceived people are. They think that because God has not answered their prayer, for some reason God can't answer your prayer. I'm here to tell you God in a moment can change your life in one encounter, one instance with God, one moment, one round of view with the Spirit of God, one moment with the power of God, your life can be changed just like that. His arm is long enough, his hand is good enough, and his mercy is good enough. He can reach you wherever you are. Now I'm revving up, I'm not mad, I'm just revving up. Isaiah tells a sinful nation that in that day, God is able to hear their prayers. It's not that God can't hear their prayers, but he will not hear, he will not hear their their prayers because their sin has created a barrier between them and a holy God. That's sobering. I'm not saying we're there. I'm saying those days could be ahead. I'm not saying that God has uh, forsaken America. I, 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 until he comes, I'm going to believe for revival. I'm going to believe for a move of God. I'm going to believe God is going to turn hearts and peoples and that this nation is going to turn. There will be, I'm, I'm believing for that. I'm believing for salvation in my household and salvation in all those around me. I'm still calling on God. I'm still seeking him. I'm still going to call on his name. I'm still going to praise and worship and come into the house of the Lord no matter how bad it's getting and give him every glory, every verse, every dance, every song. Why? But he tells us there's a day when all of a sudden there may be a barrier between nations. Isaiah tells us what the sin of that day was. 
I'm not too sure that what the sin of Isaiah's day is not far from what was it's what is happening in our day. Now I'm going to tell you some truth for a minute. And then I'm going to blow you up with the Holy Ghost and hope. But let's take our medicine first. And then we'll release the Holy Ghost in this place to do what he wants to do in this hour. Because God is a God of hope. God is a God of restoration. God loves bringing nations back. God loves bringing people back. God loves turning lives around. God loves, God loves when his people congregate. God loves when his people make decisions for him. But I'm just, let's talk about it for just a moment. What are the sins of a nation during Isaiah's day? What were the sins? What were the sins that held up God's provision for that nation? What was going on that blocked the barrier between God and that nation? What was going on in that hour? And all of a sudden, Isaiah begins to list some things that kept their nation from the fact that his hand would pour out upon them. Why God was silent. I'm not saying he's that today, but I am saying those might be the days ahead. It's a warning. I'm warning you. As a pastor, I'm just giving you a warning. I'm telling you what's in my spirit. And this election has been revealing. It's revealed really what is in the heart and the soul of America. You say, well, you just wanted Trump to win. Yes, I did. So what? But look, not at the expense of immorality. And you say, well, he's not a Christian. Well, he may not be. I don't know. But I do know this. He loves the unborn. He loves the church. He loves Israel. Listen, you fight me. Go ahead and fight me. Fight me on it. God says he will bless those that bless Israel and he will bless those who make Israel. God loves the innocent. God loves the unborn. He said, in the womb I formed you. I made you from the foundation of the world. I gave you your destiny. So don't tell me. Listen, don't tell me. It's not about Trump. It's about who's going to step into a righteous place in America and hold up the levees so the flood of the enemy cannot come in. Come on. Woo! Hey! Yeah, those are fighting words. Those are fighting words. It's time the pulpits of America start preaching the way it should be preached. <laughs> okay, I'm, y'all, y'all pulling me somewhere. Let's look at it. What were the sins? What was it that kept God from hearing Israel? First of all, number one, it said they had bloody hands. If this does not break your heart for this nation, I don't know what will. The reason God did not hear them is they had blood on their hands. And don't think we're too pious to think that this nation does not have blood on its hands. 
I know. You can get mad at me. I, I, today I don't care. I don't care. But let me just say this. We are swimming. Listen, ever since the moment Roe v. Wade was passed, we began to have blood on the hands of this nation. And the levy of law and order began to push back because the law of God began to crack in the levy of law and order according to heaven. And we have gone through and aborted 3,000, 3 to 4,000 babies a day since 1973. You say, well, you know, what's the big, you know, and I get it all the time. Preacher, you ought to just stay out of that. That should be up to rabbis and religion and up to personal human choice. That should be left up. Listen, they tell you that, but then when you give advice, they'll say, well, you should stay out of politics. Which is it? It's all of it. It's all of it. It's all of it. It's all of it. Look at verse 2. Look at what it says, but your iniquities have separated you from your God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear for your hands are defiled with blood. Listen, the violence of our day has surpassed Noah, it has surpassed Lot, and it has surpassed the days of King Aaron. Listen, we're living in a day when 11, 12, and 13-year-olds are having sex, being pregnant, abortion. We have 15, 16-year-old men in the streets of Chicago that are parts of gangs at 12, 13, 14, and 15. They're carrying guns and murdering other men of their age. I know that's an extreme. You say, well, you're taking the extreme. I'm telling you this is a spirit that is running across this nation. And because of the lack of order and law consciousness, we refuse to do something about it because the answer is not in man. The answer is in God. It is in, it is in this book. It is in holiness. It is in preaching the righteousness of God throughout a nation so that men's hearts may turn back to him. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why? Because... Listen, we got people graduating that can't even read the diploma that they've been given. Okay. That's all right. I'm not scared. I got security today. I got one right here and I got one right there. I, listen. Is it, not, is, is it not true? Men, young men are waddling and, under, and, and arrested development. They're laying in arrested development. They're having no hope. They're suicidal. They're not finding careers or jobs. Because somewhere along the line, and I'm not saying it's the educational system's fault. I'm saying it's all of our fault. It's a nation's fault for not holding people accountable and amenable and looking in the lives of these young men that are 18, 19, and 20, and they're struggling in their 20s and their 30s, and they go to drugs and alcohol, and they run to these things because they are so depressed, because they're living in this arrested development, because we refuse to develop men like God says develop them. Woo, woo, woo. Huh? 
blood on our hands. There's blood on this nation's hands. And I'm telling you, and we may not be there, but I'm telling you, if God doesn't send revival, we, we're close. The Bible says in verse 3, look what it says in verse 3. For your hands are defiled with blood, your fingers and iniquity, your lips have spoken lies, and your tongue has murmured perversities. <laughs> Can I tell you? You know, what I read? you know what I read as I was researching for this? And I began to read U.S. News Report, wrote an article years ago. It says that our nation has increased so much in dishonesty that scientific experiments are being lied about. Listen, y'all. Scientists are lying. So they gain the approval of politicians. They get grant money because they say what they want to hear and what they want to say. Lying lips, people falsifying their career. Listen, do you know that in 2018, there were over 75,000 people who falsified their careers to get jobs? Why? Lying lips, deception. It doesn't, but we're not convicted by that anymore. Moral ambivalence. Y'all with me? Y'all with me? Come on. Listen. And so here's what it does. The dishonesty on the inside leads to lack of commitment on the outside. So what happens is because we have lying lips and lying voices and tongues and because we make perversities and we speak with perversities, our lives are a mess because we don't know how to commit the marriages. We don't know how to commit to our jobs. We don't know how to commit to Christ. Help us, Jesus. Can you say, help us, Jesus? Can I say something? I'm just going to make this statement. If someone will not keep a sacred vow before the Almighty God to their spouse, then they cannot be trusted with any promise anywhere or anytime. Listen. I'm, listen, here's what's happened. And because of that, private morality can be disconnected from public service. In other words, we elect somebody to public service based on who we want and what we get and what they do for us, not based on their private character or personality. We don't care that they're a thief. We don't care that they rob and steal and take from America. We don't care that they lie and they cheat. And we don't care. All we want is we know that if they get in office, I get what I want. Okay, well, this is going over well. Should have preached the other message. <laughs> Ecclesiastes 10.1 says this. A dead fly putrefies the perfume of the ointment and causes it to give off a foul odor so that the, it so does folly in one man's life that is respected in wisdom and honor. In other words, a fly ruins the ointment. A fly will ruin the ointment of the apothecary, and soon it will begin to make it stink. I think something smells bad in this nation. Too many flies have gotten into the ointment of the things that God has given us that are good. Okay, woo, yeah, yeah, let's go, let's go, we're told today, listen, we're told today, you're told, you're told, you're told, 
They look you right in the eye through your television, and they tell you today, they tell you that somehow public approval validates wrong behavior. Because the polls say they're a good man, then that validates everything they ever do. Just because somebody says that they, because a popular professor or a popular person or a, a, listen, or a sports person gets on and says, I approve of him, all of a sudden that erases his public behavior and all that he does. <laughs> Woo! Help us, Jesus. Help us. Listen, help us, Jesus. I said, help us, Jesus. I, I know this is an election message, right? This is just exactly what we as a nation. It's not come yet, but the days might be ahead. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. So what caused these conditions? What caused these conditions? I, 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 I'm going to finish quickly because I, I want a time of altar. Listen, what causes these conditions? What causes? Listen, I'm going to preach this, y'all. Don't nobody go nowhere. Don't go nowhere. Just please. I don't ask you that often. If you got to go pee, go pee. But I don't want you back on. Pastor said, don't get up. He going to call me out? No, that's not what I'm saying. Listen. Listen, what causes this? Three things have caused it. One, the first thing is a diet of deception. We have lived in a world that has produced a diet of deception in our lives. <laughs> Look at verse 5. They hatch viper eggs and weave a spider's web. He who eats of the eggs dies, and from that which is crushed a viper breaks out. Come on. Verse 4, go back to verse 4, a viper's eggs. The viper's eggs are the devilish lies and philosophies that have been sown into the minds of people. We have been living on a snake egg diet in America. It is a diet of deception. It is a diet of sex, of, of snake eggs. We have, been, we have been on this diet. We have, we, have, we have ate these things. We've ate materialism. We've ate humanism. We've ate ageism. We've ate liberalism. I'm not talking about liberal politically. I'm talking about liberalism and the fact that you call the word of God liberal. And that is, does, somehow doesn't meet the measure of what is there. The granddaddy serpent has spawned and fertilized these eggs of Satan into the hearts of people. Snake eggs. Snake eggs. Snake eggs in the media. Snake eggs in our school systems. Snake eggs in our political system. Snake eggs in our schools. Snake eggs in our universities. Snake eggs in our entertainment. Snake eggs. Snake eggs. And here's the final one. Snake eggs in the pulpits. <laughs> I'm tired of every week reading about some preacher that has a moral failure because he wanted to be cool to a congregation. Another one fell this week. 
Because he wants the masses and he wants the crowds and he wants to look cool and he wants to appear to the people and he wants the people to like him and he wants the people, he wants to look cool like them. So he taps himself all up. I'm not saying anything wrong with that. Uh, he taps himself all up. He rolls his sleeves up. He puts on, he puts on tight granny jeans or, uh, uh, well, they call them skinny jeans. I call them granny jeans. I don't know what they are. Because why? He wants to appear like the world that he's running with. Snake eggs. Snake eggs. And so people sit in the congregation who still hold their sin. They still hold their immoral lifestyle. They still hold their immoral philosophy. They still fill their brain with ungodliness. And they come to church and they praise and they have praise bands. But nobody's free. Nobody's getting delivered. And the snake eggs are continuing to hatch. And we are no, no one's to blame but the men that stand behind this pulpit in America, we stand behind this pulpit and we're afraid to speak what is truth and afraid to speak out what is truth. We pussyfoot around every little thing that's important. We don't talk about homosexuality. We don't talk about sex outside of marriage. We don't talk about pornography. We don't talk about men living pure and honoring their wives. We don't talk about dishonesty and stealing. We don't talk about giving our lives to... to Why? You know why? I'll tell you why. Because the money coffers are more important than the holiness of the people. Let me just say, there are nothing but righteous prostitutes. And I want to tell you, I'm just going to be transparent with you this morning. I've been getting guilty of some of that crazy stuff. And I'm sorry. Because it's so subtle. It's a snake egg. I want to tell you all something. Listen to me. You can't do church in 45 minutes. And I don't know who does. But I'm telling you, some churches are like a cattle rod. They herd them in and they herd them out. And all they want to do is tickle their ears, make them feel good, tell them that they're all right. You're not all right. You have a sin nature that's trying to kill you and destroy you every week. You need the presence of God in your life every week. That snake egg wants to hatch. It's trying to hatch in your life. And a song, and a poem, and a preacher joke, and five ways how to get your Starbucks coffee right is not a message. We need to start preaching things like God created man and woman for one purpose. It's not unloving. It's not unloving. It's the most loving thing you can do. It's not unloving. I had a relative in my family. They said to me a few weeks ago, I was doing a wedding. You know what they said to me? I just, I just got right back up in their face. You know what they said to me? Love wins. Love wins. Let me tell you something, sweetheart. Love already won. 
2,000 years ago when Jesus died on the cross, love was already sealed and won. You don't have to fight for love today. You just got to walk in the boundaries that God set for love. <laughs> come on, come on, where, where are my spirit-filled, God-loving people that's going to stand for righteousness and peace in this hour? Love already won. Love don't have to be fought for. Love already won. You know when love won? March 1st, 1987. Antioch Baptist Church, 10 minutes to 11. Antioch Road, 1411. Antioch Road. 10 minutes to 11, Paul Garland preaching out of the book. Love won that day. Love won. Love already won so that I could find Jesus on that day. When did love win for you? It won at Calvary. The question is, are you walking in the love that was provided for you on Calvary? Because you don't have to fight for it. Oh, we got to fight for Equality. Let me tell you, Jesus already fought for equality. Oh, I mean, I got to hurry. I gotta, okay, I, I died of deception. Listen, I'm telling you, there's a 20 year span from 1960 to 1982. 1962 to 1982, listen to what happened. We, we ruled voluntary prayer out of school. 1963, the Supreme Court dismantled classroom Bible reading. Gone, boom. Gone. 1980, the posting of the Ten Commandments in public schools was declared unconstitutional. Boom, gone. 1982, the court prohibited the teaching of biblical creation in the schools. And over a span of 60 years, God was expelled out of our public schools. No wonder why we live in deception. No wonder why snake eggs are being born every year. Prayer is out, writing is in. Bibles are out, valuable clarification is in. Ten Commandments is out, rape, armed robbery, warfare, murder, or cheating are in. Creation instruction is out, evolution is in, and blind chance is the rule of the day. Corporal punishment and discipline is gone. Disrespect and rebellion is just considered a flaw. Learning is out, abstinence is out. Matter of fact, even nowadays history is out because they're trying to rewrite history. You hear what I'm saying? They're trying to rewrite history. You can't rewrite it. You can't rewrite it. I'm telling you, they're saying our founding fathers were atheists and deists and all that stuff. You, listen, don't tell me that. You know why? Because I sit there in Philadelphia and I saw the word of God on books and monuments and all over their homes and their cities and their writings and their books. Atheists don't do that stuff. Snake eggs, snake eggs, snake eggs. Snake eggs and spider webs, baby. Spider webs are being weaved. The weave, the web of immorality. Young people today are being sucked into the web of immorality because there's no wrong and no right. Well, I'm just going to let them figure it out themselves. No, they can't figure it out themselves. The media entertainment has created myths. They have told you that premarital sex, extramarital affairs, sexuality, homosexuality, pornography, all these things are the same level as chastity, uh, monogamy, and heterosexuality. Abstinence has no place in our culture. In other words, they're telling us that these things are the same, that they're the same, they have the same benefit. 
Counselors are telling people, oh, live with them before you marry them. Listen, if you're in here and you live with your husband before you got married, that's your choice. If you're right with God, praise God. But I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to offend you. But you know, I did more marriages with people that lived together before they got married this year than I have those that did it the right way. Okay, if I was, get mad at me, I don't care. You know why? Oh, just live with them. I just want to see how they are. I just want to see. I'll tell you how they are. Their underwear's dirty in the morning. They pee on the seat and don't lift it. Their hair's messed up. They got bad breath. And once they get married, they stop dressing up and they look like they just fall off, fell out of a covered wagon. They leave their clothes everywhere. I don't have to live with them to tell you that. Well, we got to make sure that we're compatible romantically. I know, this is making some of y'all uncomfortable. No, 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 let me tell you something. God created you. Sweetheart, it'll work. I'm telling you, it'll work. You don't have to practice. Man, I'm telling you, when I got married, ha, 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 I was ready for my wedding day. I didn't have to drive the car and try it out. It worked fine. It worked fine. I didn't need a book. I didn't need instructions. Snake eggs, snake eggs, snake eggs. And the devil is weaving a web and people are being wrapped up in it just like a spider. And you know what a spider does? Once you're caught in the shiny, listen, I got a devil spider outside my door. out there. Turn the nightlight on and he weaves another web. And I tear it down. And he weaves another web by the next night. And I tear it down. I'm like, die in Jesus' name. <laughs> and he weaves another web the next night. Listen, listen to that. When a spider gets you in his web, you know what he does? He injects you with poison. Then he sucks the life out of that insect. And he sucks, drains it from everything. And what happens is that insect has lost all life. And I'm telling you, the web of immorality has sucked life right out of people. You have been wrapped in so tight, you don't even know how to get out of it anymore. Matter of fact, you don't, your bondage, you don't have your bondage. Your bondage has you. Listen to me. You men that are in sexual sin, listen to me. You'll start doing things that you would not naturally do because you're in bondage. You'll drive to hotels in other cities. You'll get on the internet and talk to women that are not your spouses. You will voyeurism. You will do things and you don't even know why you're doing it. I'll tell you why you're doing it. You're wrapped in a cocoon of bondage and life has been sucked out of you and you don't know how to get it back. Ladies, 
I have to be an equal opportunist this morning. God knows the spirit you're operating in. God knows the spirit. God knows your tongue. God knows your hatred, your bitterness. God knows that you're refusing to give certain things to God because your bitterness has kept you in a place to where you use your bitterness and your unforgiveness as an advantage over those who have hurt you. So here's what we do as the church. Look at the end of verse 5. He who eats of their eggs dies. And from that which is crushed, a viper breaks out. You know what that's saying? You, you want to know, know what Isaiah's saying? He's saying people go after snake eggs and they try to crush them and they try to kill them. But when they do, other snake eggs are born. And see, some of you think if we just get rid of Nancy Pelosi, all of a sudden there'll be righteousness in the, the Senate or whatever she is. No, you know what? Another snake egg will step up and take the place. You can get rid of them all, but more if the culture doesn't change. If the levee breaks, it doesn't matter. Snakes will produce. Snakes will produce snakes. You don't stop out snakes. You find something that kills them and destroys them and removes them. And the only thing I know that can bring you out of a spider web and remove the snake eggs of your life is the deliverance that comes through the blood of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm closing with this. Maybe I am. I didn't get it all, but I got enough. Help us, Jesus, Lord. My heart, listen, my heart is heavy this morning. I'm telling you. Died of deception. A diet of deception, a web of wickedness. And finally, let me tell you what the biggest problem. And this is where God is going to help us this morning. It's the trashing of truth. What happened in Isaiah's day, the problem was there was the trashing of of truth. Look at verses 12 through 15. I'm about done. I am done. Pastor Adam, get ready to come. For our transgressions are multiplied before you. Our sins testify against us. Our transgressions are with us. And as for our iniquities, we know them. If transgression and lying against the Lord and departing from our God, speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving and uttering from the heart, words of falsehood, right? Because of that, because of a web of deceit, because of snake eggs, because of a diet of deception, what happens? Verse 14, justice is turned backward. That's what the scripture says. Justice is not seen. Justice is not turned backward. Justice is turned backward. Why? I'll tell you why. Why is justice turned backward? And righteousness stands far off. Why is it turned backward? Why does righteousness stand far off? 
for truth has fallen into the streets. Not only has it fallen into the streets, and equality cannot enter, and truth falls, and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. Truth has fallen into the streets. Can I tell you, if you speak up for truth, you're a bad guy. You speak up for righteousness, you start talking about holy things, some of the things I've mentioned here this morning, you become a bad guy. Do it on your job and see if they don't try to fire you. Do it out in public and see if you don't become a disgrace. And don't, talk about it to your family and see if you don't become ostracized. Because when you speak up, you become a bad guy. And we make ourselves a prey when we speak against the things that are justice and truth. But there's a traffic jam. You understand deception and you understand the spider's web. All of that deception. And listen, listen, justice and righteousness can't get to its destination because it's been held up. It's been held up. Why? Because we've let truth fall into the streets. Truth has fallen into the streets. Truth has fallen in. There's a traffic jam. Truth has fallen into the streets. Pastor Adam, come. Preachers and pastors have a responsibility as they stand in the pulpits of America every Sunday to open the book of truth and preach it. Thus saith the Lord, Almighty God without fear. God calls the Bible the word of truth. Ephesians 1.13. God calls the Holy Spirit the spirit of truth. John 14.17. God describes himself as truth in John 14.6. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life in John 14, 6. <laughs> the church is called the pillar and the ground of truth in 1 Timothy 3, 15. And in John 3, 1, uh, chapter 1 and verse 4, it says this, great joy to hear that my children walk in truth. So what has to happen? I'll tell you what has to happen. You don't stamp out snake eggs and you don't wipe off spider webs you got to destroy it. You know what I did? I went in that kitchen, and I got me the biggest raid can I got. I came in. After I tore that spider web down, I said, buddy, tonight is your night. Your webbing is done. Your webbing is done. Sure enough. Oh, he showed off that night. Here he come. It's like Spider-Man. Almost like he was mocking me. I didn't just spray him with raid. I drowned him in raid. I put so much raid on him, his body was like. <laughs> Guess what? I ain't got any more spider webs. You know why? Because I killed the thing that was responsible for it. And if you want to get rid of the snake eggs, you got to deal with the snake that's given birth to the snake eggs. Don't we spend too much time running after things and trying to destroy things 
We're just crushing snake eggs and more snake eggs are being born. But I'm here to tell you truth, truth, truth. Proverbs 23, 23 says, buy truth and sell it not. Truth is a prize to possess. There is a prize to pay and we must buy truth. John 17, 7, it says, sanctify thyself with thy word. Thy word is truth. Stand with me this morning. Here's what has to happen. Some of you have to go and pick truth up out of the streets again. There's a difference between facts and truth. Facts can be made up. There's a difference between knowledge. Knowledge may double, but truth does not double. You know why truth doesn't double? Because it always exists. It's always pure. It's always pure. But not. Why does he use that analogy? He uses that analogy because the longer you possess truth, listen, how many of you bought a house? The longer you possess a house, what? The value of that house goes up. Is that not right? The longer you possess truth, the more value truth is to your life. The more you allow truth applied to your life, the more valuable truth becomes to you. The more you fight for your prayer life, the more you fight for the Word of God. Listen, the reason why people don't stand up for the unborn is because they don't care. They don't care. Reason why half churches are empty, most of the time, they don't care about people getting saved. Why? Because we've not bought truth. And we sit with snake eggs in our heart and webs around our head. And I'm here to tell you, truth has caused a log jam in this nation. Truth has fallen into the streets. I've literally watched the news get up and literally lie. Lie to us. No, listen to me. You're living in a nation where the media is lying to you. Not all the time. But we don't do nothing. Well, let me tell you something. This may make some of you upset. But forgive me. You have to if you want to go to heaven. No, I'm serious. I don't know, I don't know, January 20th, we'll know who'll be president, okay, whoever that is. Let God sort it out. Let the snake eggs be divided, let the webs be torn down, we'll find out, right? And you know what, if it's, if it's Joey, then he'll be all president, and I'll pray for him. I'll pray he rules well. I'll pray he finds Jesus. I pray that our nation will find peace and that we'll all prosper under his administration. I don't have a problem with that. I'm an American. Right? Okay? Listen. You don't get up and speak to a nation like he did last night and says, now, now I'm a unifier and we're all going to come together and I'm going to be your president when you have just spent nine months trying not only to defeat, defeat a candidate, but not destroy him, destroy his family, destroy every bit of truth that is mentioned, close churches, come against righteousness, Expand abortion clinics, 
try to vote for funding that will give abortion clinics more funding to murder and kill, right? To promote homosexuality and homo and, 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 and then get up and say, I am a uniter and I am going to bring us all together and you need to come under my banner. Sorry, sweetheart, I'm not eating that snake egg. If you voted for him, if you that's fine. I'm not fighting you. I'm not fighting you. I'm not fighting Joey. I'm fighting for the unborn. I'm fighting for this word. I'm fighting for you. I'm fighting so that this church can stay open and preach the gospel as long as the gospel should be preached. I'm standing for your marriage and my marriage and your marriage. And I'm not just pulling spider webs down. I'm killing the snakeheads that's coming after you. I'm going to kill the spider that's trying to wrap you in. And listen, listen to me. Words of platitude and lying lips are deception. I'm reaching down and I'm picking truth up off the street and I'm breaking through the log dam. I'm tearing it all up and I'm putting the word of God out front. I'm sorry, Michelle. She worked hard in putting that together and I'm squashing it. No, listen. This is not an arrogant message because I've, I've had to examine myself. I'm asking you to examine yourself this morning. If you want to fight with me this morning, listen, I'm preaching different around here. I'm just going to tell you. It's going to be Jesus. I just, we got to, right? We got to. We got to. So bring every unsaved person you got in your family, you bring them here. I'm praying two things will happen. They're either going to get so bad that they will never talk to you again, or they're going to get right with God and live victorious in their Christian life. We got to stop. Stop the games. Stop the games. You know why? Because the levees are cracking. And you know what I'm afraid of? I'm afraid of what I saw in Seattle was start rolling through the streets of this nation. I don't know how, I don't know if we're What's coming in the days ahead? But I do know this. If we don't turn, we're going, to be, we're going to repeat what Israel did. And the words of Isaiah will not just be prophecy. They'll be words we be living by. And we're going to cry out to God in our calamity, and he's not going to hear us. And I don't ever want to be in the place where I feel in my heart that God doesn't hear me. How abandoned and how heartbroken is that if you've ever been in a place where you felt God has not heard you? 
You want to fight? You know, in the 1700s, they had the black robe regiment. Pastors would get up and preach and take the black robe off and put on the Revolutionary War soldier suit on and go fight with the people. I'm going to call you the Holy Ghost Regiment. If you want to fight, come down to this altar so we can pray this morning. If you want to go, if you want to fight snake eggs, if you want to go after it, you want to kill it, you want to pick truth up off the street, let me tell you the truth is this word. I'm telling you this is truth. This is truth when everything else is contradictive. This is truth. This is your truth. Listen. Stop running to people that are so-called prophets that don't know you and know your life. Nothing wrong with the prophetic. I love it. I have it in my life. I listen to it. God has given our nation some prophets that I believe speak on behalf of the nation and speak on behalf of God's people. I know their word is affirmed. But I want to tell you, this has to be the foundation on which you stand. Thank you for joining us for River Valley Community Church's podcast. If you feel led to give, you can click on the donation link in the description or visit our website at rivervalleymadison.com. If you've enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share with your friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you.